2: You are listening to the Mother of All Talk Shows podcast with George Galloway.
3: I've just learned actually in the last few minutes from my grandson, Sean, that it was Earth Day and that that might have been the putative reason for the pantomime which took place. All it needed was a pantomime horse actually at the front of it. In Whitehall this week, Rashid Sanook, who is elected by nobody at all, not even the members of the Conservative Party in Parliament, came over all presidential. They picked the leanest and meanest of London's bobbies to run down the road. It looked more like Dumpling Day than Earth Day to me. And then, instead of motorcyclists, we had this parade of cops on push bikes accompanying the gas guzzler that contained Rashid Sanook, the British Prime Minister. The last time I saw something like that, it was uh, Kim Jong-il, the no, Kim Jong-un, the North Korean leader, uh, who was widely ridiculed for having a gigantic bomb-proof Mercedes, alongside which ran— His security detail, and here we are, the British are copying the North Koreans. We were not supposed to laugh at our leader doing it. Only North Korean leaders should be laughed at for such things. If it was for Earth Day, it went over my head or under my feet. I had no idea that that was its purpose, and its purpose was never stated. All it did was make Rashid Sanook look even more small, which is quite an achievement, considering he is pretty much the invisible man in British politics. Invisible, of course, in European politics, in NATO politics, invisible in international politics. It's scarcely worthwhile having him there at all. And there's still talk of Boris Johnson making a comeback, although... Keir Starmer, the Labour leader, is now beginning to slip in the polls, so who knows, a second term for Rashid Sanouk might not be ruled out. You can't rule out a second term for the incontinent, the feeble, uh, the scarcely cognizant President of the United States of America. I very much hope that the famous deep state in the U.S., has replaced the football at the bottom of his bed because, thinking he's pressing for another cup of cocoa, he might just press the nuclear button and we might all be history, although there'll be no one left to record that history. That this man is in charge of still the most powerful country in the world, whose defence spending dwarfs that of the next 16 countries in total combined. This man, who presides over 800 foreign military bases, many of them bristling with the aforementioned nuclear weapons. This man, who is in charge of a flight of more than 3,500 thermonuclear weapons, cannot tie his shoelaces, cannot make the bathroom in time, even in august company like His Holiness the Pope in the Vatican. Joe Biden literally soiled himself in front of the the Roman Catholic Church. Joe Biden isn't fit to be sent out for a loaf. But not only is he the president of the United States, he's decided he's running again for another term, and the Democratic Party have promptly endorsed him and banned any presidential debates against any candidate who might exercise their democratic right to stand against him. Only one so far has done so, Robert F. Kennedy Jr. And when you think about it, it's an act of mercy not to put Joe Biden on a stage with RFK Jr., who, even though he likes him and has known him for all of his life, would knock him out flat, it would—not since Rocky Marciano fought the hapless bunch of horizontal chumps that used to be put up against him. would a mismatch like it have ever been seen, so they've decided not to have any presidential debates. But not only that, Bernie Sanders, on the day that Biden announced— He was running again with a record of oppression of workers in the United States, railway workers banned from striking, a record of inflation that is bleeding white, the working people of America, a record, as long as your arm, of imprisoning a whole nation of black people in the United States, a record of being a foghorn for war, like the Iraq War, throughout his 51 years in the Senate, a record of having dragged us all onto the brink of World War III, despite all of that, within an hour or two of Biden's announcement, if you can call it that, Bernie Sanders gave him his endorsement. Well, in a way, if the Americans are stupid enough to reelect Joe Biden, good luck to them. It's their business. But my question to Europe, to Australia, to the rest of the world, the vassals over which Joe Biden rules, is why are you following to the edge of a cliff a man? Why are you taking orders from an emperor so decrepit? That he cannot be let out alone, cannot find his way off a stage, cannot read an auto cue, cannot control his own bowels. Have you no self respect in the chanceries of Europe, in Westminster and Whitehall, down in Canberra? Do you not care about the optics of all of this? You who told us that Donald Trump would put us into World War III, are now following blindly this decrepit old man as he drags us closer than we have ever been before, closer than the Cuban Missile Crisis, to a world war with nuclear weapons a thousand times more powerful and deadly than the weapons that we were threatened with back in those days of the early 1960s in the Cuban Missile Crisis. Tucker Carlson got the bag. I wonder, we're asking in a poll what it was that got Fox News's highest rating commentator taken off the air. It couldn't have been the cost of 1.6 million salary a month. I mean, Tucker's good, but he should be good. He has a whole army of people preparing his shows. And helping to write his scripts, he reads the scripts from an auto queue and he gets $1.6 million a month for doing so. He should be good, but he is good, better than all the rest. And it can't be that he was too expensive a ticket because Rupert Murdoch's son was in the middle of negotiating with him an extension of his contract until 2029. That's how keen Fox were just a week or two ago to keep Tucker Carlson on board, and now they have sacked him. Now, I kind of take the view of Lionel, my good friend in New York, that just like John Stewart, remember him, who left primetime American television to go and run a petting zoo in New Jersey or somewhere like it, John Stewart was very quickly forgotten. There's a danger if Tucker Carlson doesn't strike now while the iron is hot that he will go the same way, forgotten, in just the same way. But somehow, I don't think Tucker Carlson is going to go quietly. There's talk today in the financial papers that the Murdochs have trussed him up, gagged him, until the end of his contract, which would take him beyond the presidential election, is Tucker really going to sit out the next presiden- presidential election, say nothing about it, only to get his $1.6 million a month? Because if he is, if I was Donald Trump, I'd find some other billionaire to pay him the $1.6 million a month and get him out there on the stump, talking and using his name and face recognition in support of a Trump Presidency. Maybe that will happen. Maybe Tucker will tell the Murdoch's to stick their money for the rest of the contract and make even more money, either on his own, like I'm doing here, or on some other channel, some other platform. We'll have to wait and see. But the big news of the day, bigger than any other news could possibly be, is the announcement from China and from Kiev that President Xi Jinping and President Zelensky <coughs> excuse me, had a long telephone call conversation last evening, that China has appointed uh, the head of their Eurasian desk in the foreign ministry as a special envoy for China to visit Kiev and to begin a shuttle of diplomacy. Which is long overdue and which has been precluded by the veto, by the blackballing of exactly that by the United States government in Washington, who you'll recall, the last time there was any possibility of peace brokered by Turkey, they sent Boris Johnson to Kiev to warn Zelensky that he would not be permitted to agree to a ceasefire and a political solution to a conflict which has cost the lives of hundreds of thousands of people, the treasure of both countries, and the wrecked economies of all the sanctioning countries that followed Joe Biden in his bid to lift a huge rock only to drop it on our own feet. Xi Jinping doesn't go in for stunts. He's not a PR type of guy. If he's made this call He must have known that the call would be received well if he has appointed this envoy. He must know that the envoy stands at least a fighting chance of being able to broker a peace deal. What would a peace deal look like? Well, I don't speak for Russia. I have no idea of Russia's mind in this affair. I haven't even spoken to a Russian about it, not any Russian at all of any kind Not even Igor, that serves me up my borscht in my local Russian restaurant. I have no idea if this is Russia's point of view. But if I was running Russia, here are the minimum terms for an end to the war that I would accept. First of all, self-determination for the Russian-speaking people of eastern Ukraine. This is a must. Russia has not gone this far, done all this, suffered the ostracism and sanction of the entire so-called Western world in order to hand back its compatriots, its co-religionists, its fellow Russian citizens, now in many cases, to the tender mercy of an ultra-nationalist government in Kiev, tinged with Nazi support, if not at the fringes, then perhaps a little bit in, closer than just the fringes. They will not do that. They will never accept it. The Russian people would never accept it either. The banning not just of Ukraine joining NATO, but of NATO joining Ukraine. All kinds of people have been fixated on the issue of whether or not Ukraine— can join NATO, but NATO joined Ukraine, according to Stoltenberg, as long ago as 2014, and many would argue—among I them—that NATO has been in Ukraine almost from the day that the Ukrainian state was formed. So a formula which ensures that Ukraine doesn't join NATO, and NATO is nowhere near Ukraine, would it seem to me be an obvious red line for Moscow in exchange for stopping the advance of the Russian forces in eastern Ukraine. A third would be an explanation for and full transparency over the dozens of biolabs that the United States Department of Defense set up all over Ukraine if i were the russians i would want full transparency over that and lastly i would want the lifting of all the sanctions imposed on russia as a result of the special military operation which began in february of 2022 the sanctions have not affected russia in the way that they intended, but they have affected the countries that imposed them very severely indeed. And as I'm not a Russian and don't speak for Russia, and I'm a European and a British citizen, I want our countries to escape from that self-inflicted wound that we imposed upon ourselves when we embarked on this road of sanctions. So an end to sanctions an end to the tango between Kiev and NATO, and NATO and Kiev, self-determination for the Russian-speaking people of eastern and southern Ukraine, and lastly, a recognition that the Crimean Peninsula, which was a part of Russia for thousands of years, which voted overwhelmingly to rejoin Russia, will be recognized internationally as a part of Russia. The Russian fleet requires Crimea. They will never give it up. The people of Crimea would never agree to it being given up. Lastly, I pose a simple question. It's a simple question to which there is literally no answer, no answer possible. Today, Ursula von der Leyen, at the dispatch box, made a fulsome celebration, she said, of the 75 years of the existence of the state of Israel. A state which, in defiance of all international law, continues illegally to occupy the huge tracts of Palestinian land and has illegally annexed East Jerusalem and the Golan Heights and openly threatens to annex the Jordan Valley. How is it possible for the EU to celebrate Israel in the light of this brazen illegality now over decades, decades? Over half a century. How is that possible? Yet the EU cannot accept that the people of Crimea can return to Russia and the current state of affairs being described as a Russian occupation of Crimea. And secondly, equally impossible to answer. How is it possible? for the United States of America to demand recognition of the illegal unilateral secession of Kosovo from Serbia, whilst denying the same right to the people of Crimea. How can that logically, as a matter of simple logic, how can that be squared? How is it possible you can invent a state called Kosovo, torn from its own country, Serbia, where a substantial Serbian minority are now persecuted, religiously, nationally, ethnically persecuted, under the guns of NATO, and yet you're ready to risk World War III over Kopiansk? I keep telling you to fasten your seatbelts. This is going to be a bumpy night because it is the mother of all talk shows.
0: Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, if. Only in Theatres, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news,
2: You are listening to the Mother of All Talk Shows podcast with George Galloway.
3: One of the most popular of the guests we've had on the show. He is Nico House, political commentator and founder of the MCSC Network. Maybe he'll tell us what that network is. Nico, welcome back to the Mother of All Talk Shows. First of all, tell us, what is the MCSC Network?
2: So MCSC actually just stands for Mikasa Sukasa because my last name is House, and I, whenever I started the my show uh, Mikasa Sukasa the podcast, it was to make it so so that the average person could understand, you know, the complexities of politics uh, in the most simplistic way possible, almost like you're talking to a family member at a at a dinner table about what happened that day in your life, and that was the goal. And so far, I think we've done a pretty good job achieving it. You know, some people like to overcomplicate politics, but I think you and I know things are a lot simpler uh, than they—than than they the world or the mainstream media make them out to be.
3: They are. Uh, and here's one simple uh, truth, uh, because Joe Biden told us it during the last election campaign. If you are not voting Joe Biden, you ain't black. Uh, that didn't go <laughs> down he said. all that well. Uh, <laughs> he really did say that. Uh, he, uh, he, he shuffled himself back on onto uh, the front foot and announced that he's running again. How has that gone down amongst the American public?
2: Well, the majority of Democrats actually don't want him to run again, so obviously it's not going that well. But I think there's a few frustrating aspects that you have to address. One, the fact that Bernie Sanders has already came out and endorsed him. That's problematic. Um, not that I was expecting Bernie to run against him, but he's not even listening or hearing out other candidates which means that once again despite labeling himself as an independent he's going to march lockstep with the, the democratic party uh not giving himself any separation and once again making you question if he ever really truly consider himself independent to the fact that they have decided to completely and totally ban debates for the primary uh which seems like now that will make, make the republican and the democratic party alike and that they will not be holding primary debates and apparently they're trying to even stop general election debates. so this could be the first election when we have literally zero debates uh, for the entire election, which once again is problematic because the Democrats' own party, pre- the president's own party, doesn't actually seem to believe that he's fit to be president, yet they don't want to hear other voices. And then three, uh, I just find it really crazy to, to think that people believe that the U.S. Uh, is a democracy. When a, a guy who literally can't remember what he had for breakfast uh, is probably going to win president again, and it's not really a question in anybody's mind whether or not that's going to be the case. No, no matter how impressive RFK or uh, Marianne Williamson might consider themselves to be or their voters might consider themselves to be, at the end of the day, Dominion, who, by the way, owns 7% of Fox News, um, is still in charge of the election. And we have not really substantively addressed what we saw take place, where we just saw the most technically, the most popular presidential incumbent, incumbent in history, who increases voter base amongst all demographics except for white men, get beat by a guy who literally had to put in his teeth that morning before uh, giving his his uh, his winning speech. So, like, it's it's a problem. I feel like it's a problem uh, across the board that. We're basically in a satire, except for their actual lives and international policies on the line, and we're not really taking this matter seriously enough.
3: It is a satire. That is a brilliant line. Uh, and But if it was a satire, you would turn away from it, because there's only so long you can laugh at a guy <laughs> in the state that Joe Biden is in. Uh, in the end, you would turn away and say, this is elder abuse, what kind of a family has this man got that is putting him up uh, to suffer the ridicule, not just of Americans, but the whole world. I've got to tell you, Nico, the, these videos of uh, poor old Joe wandering around, lost, even in his own garden, uh, uh, unable to uh, know where to stand, even when there's a big, giant X where he's supposed to stand, reading out the <laughs> stage instructions. Uh, when, you know, he gets to the end of the line and it says, turn the page. He reads out, turn the page. Uh, <laughs> he reads out, uh, stop here. Uh, yeah. But this, this is sad. To suffer, be fair, though, Kamala isn't that much is, different, right? It is, it I is, uh, it or. is cruel, right, Nico? It is cruel, but to be
2: fair, Kamala doesn't seem to be all that much different when it comes to the mental gates. I don't know if you saw her recent speech, but she was, I actually don't even know what she was talking about. She's like, it's important in this moment that we really think about this moment and we contextualize the moment that we're in with contextualization. I'm like, hold on. I know that we don't want Biden. be present because we believe that his age is causing some mental deterioration, but Kamala is like 50 years younger than this man. What is going on? It's it's almost like they're sharing the same brain, unfortunately, which, once again, doesn't bode well for the American people. But I think that you would agree, being an international citizen yourself, this doesn't bode well for the world. We are on the cusp of World War III. The, The U.S. government has made that pretty clear, that that is their goal. And with BRICS aligning in the way that they are making the economic moves internationally, making the partnerships internationally. Uh, I don't see, like, we we know that Biden is a puppet and we know who the puppet masters are. And we know that when circumstances align, when they believe that there is legitimate, uh, a legitimate competition for them economically around the world, they just go straight to war. War. This is, history has proven this already. And we are on the cusp of that right now and Biden is a puppet who will, will not push back on that. That's what we need to be really talking about more. The gates are funny, but like the gates, in my in my opinion, are just it's just just displays how much control he's really he really doesn't have over the situation, which means we don't have control over the situation, and we know what the powers that be do uh, whenever they don't whenever they feel like they're not in control economically of the international community, and right now they don't have control.
3: I'm glad you said that about Kamala Harris. I call her laughing gas. Uh, She doesn't seem to know when to laugh and when to stop laughing. Uh, She laughs at the most inappropriate things, times, and can't stop laughing. Uh, And I'm not sure, you know, you're too young to know, but Richard Nixon had a vice president called Spiro Agnew, who was such a cook that Nixon used to say, no one will ever shoot me with this guy next in line. And Joe Biden's more or less in the same situation, uh, (laughs) that uh, if you don't want me, you're going to get hurt. Uh, How did the Democratic Party get to this? How do you go from from Jack Kennedy to Joe Biden and Kamala Harris? What changed in the Democratic Party?
2: I, I would say that the Democratic Party is the only party that... You can literally fail upwards. In fact, I would say it's almost a prerequisite to be a abysmal failure in what you do uh, in order to become successful in the party. Whether you're talking about Hillary Clinton, who really had no political experience whatsoever, and then they gave her the second most powerful position in the world. When I say political experience, I mean like actually running the show. They they like she didn't have any experience, um, and then she was Secretary of State. And then they were like, actually, she's the most qualified person ever. I was like, I don't really – I think our definitions of qualified have drastically changed over the years. And then you have Joe Biden who had to drop out of a, a, at least a couple of races for plagiarizing speeches because he couldn't write his own. And then for you know being a segregationist and – I mean the dude – He's only made horrible bills that have, have turned this country inside out, whether you want to talk about the 94 Crime Bill or the Telecommunications Act that nobody talks about of 1996. I mean, the guy has been horrible. He's been unpopular. And that was part of the reason they put him beside Obama, because they knew he would never really challenge Obama's popularity in that regard. And so Obama will keep the authority while Biden could quote-unquote, help guide foreign policy, which really just means tell Obama what the establishment wants. And even though he's been an abysmal failure... The man ends up, obviously, as president, and they say that he's the one with the experience. And I'm like, I feel like when y'all say experience, I mean that means like a person is stupid enough to be controlled, and therefore you want him to be president, right? Because you don't have to like think about Kamala. That Kamala literally was so unpopular that she, by the end of the week after Tulsa destroyed her campaign, she went from having like 93% of the black vote to 2% of the black vote, couldn't even make it to the primary to get a single vote. So they were like, you know what, we got to pair her with Biden to make him more popular. Like, no, I think we just established she isn't popular at all. Well, like, that's what we actually mean, though. We mean she isn't popular, and therefore we should pair them together because they need us to maintain the air of popularity. They need us to be taken seriously, and that is how we will keep them in line, because their legacies matter more more to them than anything. And they will try to maintain their legacy by doing what we say.
3: How do you think uh, Kennedy has done in the opening week or so of his uh, campaign? It looks pretty impressive to me. He looks impressive.
2: Um, I, I enjoyed his interview on Tucker Carlson. I, 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 I strongly agree with a lot of his takes on, on the COVID situation. Um, you know, prior to this. Uh, I I appreciate his take on Ukraine and Russia as well. I do feel like it's a little weird that he called Joe Biden his friend when addressing the whole situation about not having debates. And the reason I say that, I know people were saying, well, you got to play this game. And listen, guys, I don't know if you've noticed, (laughs) World War III is about to start. (laughs) We don't need anybody pretending to be friends with Joe Biden or anybody in the establishment. If there was ever a time to go scorch earth, it's now. Because if you don't, the earth might literally be scorched in a couple of years. That's how I feel about that situation. I understand the the, the goal, but we saw the whole g- my good friend Joe Biden with Bernie Sanders. And how did that turn out? We need somebody to show that they are willing to fight. The one advantage that Trump could always use uh, was the fact he was willing to go at the establishment Republicans in a way that independents like uh, Bernie Sanders, or even I would make the argument: Tulsi Gabbard didn't even go at Joe Biden. They didn't go at the legacy guys like they like like Trump went after the legacy Republicans, and Trump won. And yet we still have not gotten that leftist champion, um, like like or at least populist leftist champion. Like the right got their populist conservative champion. And I would make the arguments because well, they they're not willing to go scorch earth, and this 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 uh this this politeness that we are seeing. It it isn't going to bode well because now you're stuck in that, and the moment that you try to deviate that from that that even a little bit, everyone starts attacking you like as this mean person, you know, this toxic person. Whereas if you just come out with guns blazing, I mean, because they've had no problem doing that with. You've got to lose,
3: yeah. uh, Trump had nothing to lose, and and it worked. Now you mentioned Tucker Carlson. We're about to lose
2: everything. You're about to lose
0: everything.
3: You you mentioned Tucker Carlson. Uh, a few things came as a surprise to me about that story. The first was his 1.6 million dollars a month wages. Uh, uh, he's good, but uh, that's a lot of money to read an uh, um, article. <laughs> uh, but the second was that Fox were ready to ditch a guy whose ratings are ten times the ratings of uh, of any of the centrist. Uh, commentators, the Rachel Maddows, the CNN, and all the rest. What's that all about, do you think?
2: First of all, I just want to say it's crazy that Tucker Carlson never had to learn a jump shot, but he's out here getting NBA money. That's wild. Um, that's impressive impressive in and of itself. Um, I would also like to say that I don't find it coincidental that he has RFK on, obviously, and we know where he stands on, on vaccines. He has on, uh, He he had this conversation and he even kind of Kind of sarcastically included Fox News in this conversation, but he had this conversation about how the networks, uh, on be at the behest of their advertisers, push these vaccines on people. Uh, what they didn't, what people don't seem to realize though, is that uh, Pfizer is 15% of of, of uh, no, excuse me, Dominion 15% of his advertisement, which is crazy because it's Dominion lawsuit just happened and the settlement just happened. And he's fired, but also Pfizer is one of the top advertisers for Fox News, and people don't know it. (laughs) So Mm. Mm. it it literally could be all of the above. It's the fact that—and the fact that Rupert Murdoch uh, actually is all in for DeSantis, and even though Tucker hasn't been 100 percent Trump, he's been willing to call out when some of uh, the—he's been willing to call some of the inequities. That Trump and Bernie Sanders and a Tulsi Gabbard and, can, and RFK obviously candidates like that have faced, and so if you're if if the tables are being uh, tipped in the favor of Ron DeSantis over Trump in some type of unfair way, obviously Tucker is the type of person that would call that out. Tucker has is is seemingly paid the paying the price of being on the right side, when it comes to the the grander issues. I rarely agree with Tucker Carlson when it comes to social justice issues. I don't really agree with him when it comes to the issue of China. But really, outside of those issues, when it comes to the the big-league politics, when it comes to calling out the establishment, when it comes to the Russia-Ukraine war, when it comes to the issue on vaccines and mandates, um, and the way that candidates on both sides of the fence, whether it be in the Democratic Party or Republican Party, have been treated by the establishment, Tucker has been right and it seems like he's paying the price for being on the right side of history uh, more often than not over the last two or three years.
3: Nico House, as always, a pleasure to talk to you on the mother of all talk shows. Thank you for joining us. Now, get voting. What issue got Fox News' Tucker Carlson sacked? You can vote on all the platforms, including my Telegram, t.me forward slash George Galloway. Brian Berlitek, one of the most popular of our recent guests on Moats, is a former U.S. Marine. He's a geopolitical analyst and founder of the new Atlas, which is a great title and a great publication because we are actually in an era in which a new Atlas is being drawn. And Brian analyzes it better than almost anyone anywhere in the world. Very glad he's back on the show. Brian, thanks for uh, joining us. Um, Let's talk first, if we can, about the significance of the Chinese initiative over the Ukraine war. Um, I presume, given the closeness of the relationship between China and Russia, that Russia has given its blessing uh, to this effort. I presume, given that. Zelensky is a puppet of the United States, that uh, he was told by the U.S. he would have to take the call. Does this mean that peace is about to break out, in your view?
0: FIRST OF ALL, THANK YOU SO MUCH FOR HAVING ME ON. IT'S AN HONOR AND A PLEASURE. Uh, REGARDING THE the CHINESE COMMUNICATION WITH UKRAINE, uh, CHINA HAS ALWAYS STRIVED TO LIVE UP TO ITS ADHERENCE to TO INTERNATIONAL LAW and to maintaining diplomacy. Uh, I I think everybody can see quite clearly that what the United States is doing to Russia through Ukraine is the same process the U.S. is doing to China through its its own island province of Taiwan. Uh, So I I think China wants to play a constructive role if possible, I I don't think there's anyone anywhere who wants this conflict to, to last longer, at least not in Moscow, not in Beijing. Uh, So, I think they would—they would like to keep that door open, the door open to diplomacy, even if it is entirely unlikely that Ukraine, uh, the regime in Kiev, will walk through it.
3: You think it's entirely unlikely? uh, Because I'm wondering uh, that uh, Xi Jinping would not take this move, would not take this big step, appointing an envoy, dispatching him to Kiev, and so on, if he didn't have some indication uh, that something good might come of it? I think that's a good
0: point. Uh, I I think ultimately things will be determined on the battlefield. But once that that determination happens, this door has already been opened by Beijing, and then the process can begin. there. So they're laying the groundwork for something that can possibly happen. Uh, Everyone is waiting for this Ukrainian spring offensive. Now it looks like possibly a, a summer or fall offensive. And if it goes wrong, I, I can't really see what what a, what other option Ukraine has but to, uh, to explore the possibilities of diplomacy.
3: Well, let's you and I explore it. Uh, I uh, listed uh, why, I, if I were running Russia, would be my bottom lines uh, earlier in the show. I don't know if you heard them. But the... Uh, The obvious one that everyone would expect is that uh, Ukraine is a neutral country, that it does not join NATO, but neither does NATO infiltrate Ukraine. In other words, a NATO-free zone. That would be, it would seem to me, an obvious top line. Uh, Then the issue of the self-determination of the Russian-speaking people in the East and South of the country. It's inconceivable to me that Russia would hand these people back to the tender mercies of, uh, of the regime in Kiev. Uh, the, uh, the issue then uh, would boil down to, uh, to Crimea. Uh, there is no possibility, is there, that Russia will ever cede sovereignty of uh, Crimea. It was only ever a paper transaction, uh, a drunken night in the 1950s by Khrushchev, uh, who handed over Crimea from Russia to Ukraine when they were both members of the USSR. It's part of the strategic uh, patrimony of uh, the Russian state and will never be
0: handed back. Uh, I absolutely agree. And even in 2013, before the U.S. overthrew the elected government of Ukraine, and and then thus taking Ukraine's sovereignty from it, uh, the U.S. government funded a poll that found that uh, the majority of people in Crimea identify as either Russian or Crimean, a very small minority identified as Ukrainian. And even at that time, before the, the violent coup that overthrew the elected government, almost 25 percent wanted to join the Russian Federation. And then, obviously, in 2014, they had many more reasons to want to join the Russian Federation. So there's there's no doubt, and even U.S. government-funded polls uh, indicate that the people of Crimea want to be part of the Russian Federation. And it, it would be an injustice to them to hand them back over to Ukraine. For, for what reason? And to what end? Uh, and then the, the other regions... The Russian-speaking regions that Russia now controls, uh, to hand them back to Ukraine, I, I think it would be uh, very difficult to, to fathom. And uh, it all ultimately boils down to the fact that the U.S. has captured Ukraine and it is using it as a proxy against Russia. And this is unacceptable to Russia, its national security interests, its self-preservation and that's ultimately what's going to drive whatever diplomacy unfolds. And unfortunately, as long as it is a proxy war that the U.S. is fighting at the expense of Ukrainian blood, not American blood, the U.S. has no incentive to stop this proxy war. And so that, that's why I, unfortunately, I believe a lot of this is going to have to be settled on the battlefield first, but at least China is laying the groundwork for the, for the possible follow-on of diplomacy.
3: And yet Zelensky took the call. Uh, He had earlier said that he would no longer take a call from China because it didn't come earlier. He took the call. Would he have cleared that with Washington, that he would take the call, that he would exchange envoys with Beijing? Uh, Absolutely. Nothing
0: happens in Ukraine unless uh, the U.S. gives the okay. And uh, ultimately, this is a U.S. client regime in power in Kiev. This is uh, essentially a U.S. proxy war being waged against Russia. It's not a war between Russia and Ukraine. And uh, I think China resisted uh, calling sooner because it would have just played into the hands of the U.S. and this narrative that they're trying to create, that Russia is isolated uh, on the international stage, that everyone is talking with Kiev, and it's it's Russia standing alone. But, but also, they do have an obligation to diplomacy and international law, so they're, they're playing a balancing game here. Uh, and they also are fully aware that they are next. After Russia, the U.S. is coming after China.
3: Well, no one who saw uh, the crowd around Mr. Lavrov in the Security Council uh, at the UN this week could possibly imagine that Russia is in any way isolated. Mr. Lavrov is by far and away the most popular international diplomat in the whole world, possibly that there has ever been. Uh, His press conferences, his speech at the UN was as fine a speech as I have ever seen delivered at the uh, UN. So their isolation of Russia is not going at all well. But let's, uh, let's switch to the Chinese track, because I'll argue that the attempts to isolate China are now not going well either. We had, of course, the famous now visit of little Macron uh, to China and the statements that he made there and since he came back. But lo and behold, uh, a man misnamed cleverly Uh, who is now the Foreign Secretary of Great Britain, made a statement today uh, which must have caused horror in Washington. He said that for Britain to declare a new Cold War with China uh, would be uh, against Britain's national interest, and that Britain has no intention of doing so, appearing to side with Macron. Uh, on this uh, set of issues, rather than Washington. And of course, we had the uh, busy terminus uh, of uh, Beijing over the last few weeks, with the president of Brazil there, with the prime minister of, uh, of Germany there, then the foreign minister of Germany there. All roads lead to Beijing, so it's the U.S. that is looking isolated over china isn't it? it it is the united states
0: and it's also anyone who is going to side with them in this growing tension unfortunately while it is very true that it is not in anyone's interest in europe to side against china it was never in europe's interest to side against russia look look at what germany for example has done to itself And I I thought it uh, implausible that they would do so much damage to themselves, and yet here we are. And this is what they've done. They've allowed uh, the Nord Stream pipelines to be destroyed, they haven't said a single word about it, and there's no sign that they're going to relent in supporting the U.S. proxy war against Russia and Ukraine. So uh, it's illogical for Europe to then move on to China and side with the United States in, in yet another conflict. Uh, and, and yet, it was illogical for them to do this with Russia. So I, I hope that they're starting to come to their senses. Uh, but I, unfortunately, their, their track record is to say these things, but uh, not really actually follow through with them.
3: Now, uh, you'll have been following, as as I am, uh, the BRICS. Uh, the, the existing BRICS uh, are now bigger than the G7. Um, and there's a queue a mile long waiting to join the BRICS. Uh, we, we're we going to run out of alphabet to describe the BRICS. Uh, there's, I think, 14 or more applicants uh, for membership uh, of the BRICS and others who want to be associate uh, members uh, of the BRICS. This is a profound rewriting of the atlas to... Uh, to refer to your wonderful new atlas.
0: Absolutely, this is the rise of multipolarism, and this is what is driving U.S. foreign policy at the moment, this attempt to put it back into the bottle, to reassert U.S.-led unipolar power over the planet, and, and it's manifesting itself in this proxy war in Ukraine against Russia, buildup of tension with China or the island province of Taiwan, and uh, conflicts and interference all along the periphery of both Russia and China. And so we're we're watching the world pivot away from this old way of doing business, and which in many ways these nations were were unsatisfied with with this arrangement. So in many ways, they were coerced into it. Now there's an alternative and they're choosing it. And it, it seems like for, for the United States, the window of opportunity either is closing or has already closed and we're watching what is foreign US foreign policy, it really is seeming more like desperation.
3: Now, lastly, uh, Africa is, of course, an uh, uh, increasingly important uh, part of uh, the world economic uh, map, uh, possibly the richest of all continents, a billion people, uh, increasingly, uh, acting in 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 concert uh, with each other uh shaking off the 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 colonial chains uh in a way that hasn't been seen since independence and lo and behold, now we 've got another civil war popping up in the Sudan what's going on there brian
0: it's very difficult to tell exactly what's going on in Sudan, but what we have watched for generations is the the United States and Europe, uh, colonialism, whether it was old-fashioned colonialism or neo-colonialism, using divide and conquer to keep all of the nations of Africa down. And this is what has allowed the West to basically loot the continents, again, for generations. And now we see China and Russia coming in, they have a different approach, they're investing, in these countries, they are working with these people, not imposing themselves upon these people. And uh, we can see what's happening. Nations are rising up. They're becoming stronger, more unified, and less susceptible to US and European interference. And so they will do anything possible to, again, reassert this paradigm, and they're doing this through divide and conquer. And And they do it by sparking conflicts Uh, We have to be very careful when we look at these conflicts. We really have to follow the money, look carefully at the associations of the the different leaders of the various factions uh, to really make sure we understand whose side uh, is is who on. But uh, ultimately, instability seems only to serve the West. It has served the West. It's their method of operation, and I believe that it still serves their interest to destabilize the investments and the stability that both Russia and China are trying to bring.
3: Follow the money, follow the biolabs of all the places in the world where America could have put another biolab. One of them is in the Sudan. Brian Berlitek, thank you, as always, for joining us on the mother of all talk shows. The poll is uh, doing well, uh, and most people still regard Ukraine as the proximate reason for tucker carlson being sacked you can still vote until more or less the end of the show i'll be right back 60 seconds carlson. you are listening to the mother of all talk shows
2: podcast with george galloway
3: You'll see your way to supporting me on Patreon. Uh, I'm not looking for Tucker Carlson levels of remuneration, but it would be good to get some remuneration at all. And that's where I get it from my Patreon page. So please, if you can, it's only the price of a cup of coffee in a very, very insalubrious cafe every week. Although there are tiers, you can be a graduate, you can be a legend. And if you are a legend, you'll get priority on the phone calls. Andy uh, from Patreon says, You should be getting a fella like Tucker booked on to Moats ASAP. Well, there's a gagging order on him, apparently. Uh, If he's going to get paid up the rest of his contract, he's got to uh, get agreement uh, on where he can give interviews and make statements on. Uh, A.A. Martin says, RFK Jr. sums it all up. And includes the other two. And Paul McDonald says Tucker was going to have RFK Jr. and Trump on his broadcast. And the four horsemen of the apocalypse, Blinken, Sullivan, Biden, and Newland, definitely don't want the American people hearing the truth. That's the power of the deep state. Keep fighting for us. You're a beacon of hope. God bless you and your beautiful family. Thank you, Paul, very much for that. And Darren Alevi, a good friend of the show says, I think maybe all three in small parts, that is COVID, RFK, and Ukraine. Uh, But I think the majority of it is because of his view on the Ukraine war. It's at odds with the hawkish culture at Fox News, and in large part, the old man Murdoch wants to squash any dissent on the right to the neocons' next pet project, Ron DeSantis. It's reported that a big cheer went up around the Pentagon, when the news of Tucker Carlson's sacking broke out. Imagine, the Pentagon were cheering, the CIA were cheering, the murderers of JFK were cheering, and all the liberals were cheering, too. It's a funny old world, as Mrs. Thatcher once said. Edgar Abd says definitely RFK Jr. is what scares the deep state most, and Scott Thompson says Whatever you think of Tucker Carlson, he was the one mainstream news commentator who could sympathetically interview both Donald Trump and RFK Jr., and the neocons cannot allow that. Uh, so please do support me uh, on Patreon. Uh, now, Lucy is in Virginia on Tucker Carlson. Lucy, welcome to the show.
4: Thank you, George. I want to give a shout out to Norma, your friend. I think she's in Bristol.
3: Norma, Norma, the legend in Bristol. Thank you. Yes.
4: She, is, she has encouraged me. Her, She's fearless. She calls you, and her bravery has encouraged me. And I want to say that the last, I think, two of the last comments you just read are exactly right, although we can't give too much credit to the four horsemen because they're imbeciles. And I think the deep state <laughs> knows are, that. They know that. The
3: four do- the four donkey men.
4: Yeah, that's that's about the size of it. Unfortunately, um, <laughs> what I think is going on over here, and this bears on what happened to Tucker Carlson, is what we have is a uniparty. It doesn't matter who we vote for. It doesn't matter what we want. It doesn't matter what we do, what we tell them, what we what whatever side of the aisle you're on. When they get the the reins of power, they do not do it. They do not do the thing. You're right. Same and that, that
3: uniparty party exists in Britain also. Uh, it is uh, two cheeks of the same backside. Uh, you're going to get the same policies, uh, whoever, whichever party gets in.
4: So why I I think this bears on on Tucker and and this sort of uh, brings in what Malcolm in Glasgow was saying earlier is. That um, it, it, Nico got pressured out of his 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 YouTube um, presence was obliterated by YouTube, you know, owner of which is Google. Um, out of he was censored out of existence for opposite reasons that Matt Walsh in this country, a conservative. Um, YouTuber with a huge, huge following uh, is being, uh, they're trying to censor him out of existence on YouTube. So what I think is going on, whoever is running this show, it really doesn't matter. The government's not in charge. It's the money that's in charge. And the money doesn't have any boundaries or loyalty to country or, or care what goes on with the citizens of any given country. It's all about the money. And, and and so, you know, those are the people in charge in, in terms of uh, Google taking their marching orders. You can say that they're taking their marching orders from people calling from Washington, but who are they getting their wa- marching orders from in Washington? That's who's in charge.
3: It's the... So Beautiful whatever. call very powerful uh Lucy very very powerful indeed I'm grateful to you uh, for it Kevin in Suffolk on Tucker Carlson go ahead Kev
6: Hi George um yeah so Hi. I think uh, I think the Tucker issue is uh to do with RFK I think um I think they they are desperate to sort of prevent RFK getting the kind of coverage that Tucker would have given him, um, and hmm. basically sort of laid the groundwork for a, um, a third party run, which I think is what well, I hope, sincerely, he's going to do, um, and I, I think, so I too. mean, I, uh,
3: I think it's a forlorn hope. Now that there are going to be no debates that the DNC has endorsed, that Sanders has endorsed, what kind of is the point? of seeking the Democratic Party's nomination. Well the only point is to generate publicity, build a base, get the fundraising going in order to run as a third party candidate. That's how I see it. Don't you?
6: Absolutely. I mean, and Tucker would have been, um, you know, Tucker would have been oxygen to him. I mean, you know, um, Tucker's, uh, as you said, Tucker's audience was growing. and. I mean, I, I also wanted to say, I mean, I, I said to your call screener, you know, I mean, I probably politically identify more with, with Tucker than I have done with you over the years, George, much as, you know, like, uh, you know, you get a lot of callers from from guys who've like, um, you know, didn't see eye to eye with you <laughs> years ago and like sure. now sure. really admire you. And I, I'm in that, you know, I mean, it, okay. uh, somebody said, uh, I can't remember, there, there was a... a you know working class guy called in I think when you were in China and said about the uh, the Senate hearings and you know i mean you' you 're an amazing guy you 're a force of nature i i really i can 't've like i 've thought about a lot of what you say a lot of what you said years ago has been proved to be right, and I was wrong there's some things you say now i can 't get my head around, but we are all on a journey, and like tucker um, has been on a, an amazing journey. I mean, he he was years ago. He was like uh, um, like that Bill Crystal guy, you know. You know, he was, you know, yeah. A complete, yeah, yeah. I mean, preppy, like uh, obnoxious, old school Republican that that you know nobody would have supported. But there's there's part of the Republican Party that, and and even a few Tory MPs. I um, quite like uh, Andrew Andrew Bridgen, you know, who are like asking... Ex-Tory
3: oh, MP, he's just been expelled.
6: Oh, he hasn't, has he? Oh, my God.
3: Yeah, today he um, was expelled from the
6: Conservative Party. That is just... I, I just... I mean, I just cannot believe what's going on. I cannot believe what is going on. Anybody who, like...
3: Well, you're absolutely you know, right, Kevin, uh, that there's a lot of journeys going on, uh, and uh, there's a lot of redefinition. Uh, of what it means to be this or to be that. For me, and I'm grateful for your kind words, uh, for me it is about, is this thing right or is it wrong? There are things that are just wrong, whether you call them left or whether you call them right. It is just wrong to attempt, God forbid, to take my small primary school children uh, to uh, a drag show burlesque with, uh, with all kinds of bumping and grinding and men in women's lingerie. That is wrong. Now, if that makes me right-wing, I'm right-wing. There are other things that I think are wrong, uh, that we are uh, slipping more and more quickly into, like the euthanasia society. We're inconvenient uh, people uh, with, uh, who meet a sufficient level uh, of uh, illness, of chronic sickness, and, uh, and a level of uh, family um, readiness to, uh, to countenance. Uh, their being dispatched. Uh, we're on the way to that society. In the Netherlands, where my wife comes from, You can now dispatch a 15-year-old child who is, uh, quote-unquote, terminally ill, in euthanasia. Now, does that make me right-wing or left-wing? For me, it's a moral question of right and wrong. Last word to you, Kevin.
6: Well, I, I totally agree. Yeah, I mean, it, it is a moral issue. And I, you know, like you, George, I've got, uh, I'm a Christian, I've got religious faith. And I think it's, you know, it's principalities and powers. You know, I think there's something, there is something very, very strange going on. And whether it's all down to, uh, uh, you know, Klaus Schwab and that kind of thing, who knows? I mean, I, I just think you've got to be, you've got to like, you've got to view it as a moral issue. And, and. Make your decisions carefully as to which side you're on. Yeah, um,
3: I, I think yeah. I think I think that that's uh, that that is right. The devil is present in the world, uh, Kevin. The devil's greatest achievement is to persuade most people that he doesn't exist. Here's a call from the United States, from Shlomo in Virginia, on Tucker Carlson. Go ahead, Shlomo. Hello. Yes, Shlomo. Go ahead. You're on the air. Uh... so Yeah, sorry. Um, yes, first, thanks very, very much for all your
1: shows, oh, great. Um, about Tucker Carlson, um, we we shouldn't forget that he poisoned quite a bit, the water. He is for a war with China, very strong on it, and he's a dangerous man. Uh, yes, and, and you're right, absolutely. What is right is right, what is wrong is wrong, and when he's right, absolutely. But we should also remember what is wrong about him.
3: Things. Yeah, no, it's a very good point. I, I, I actually disagree with him on a very large number of things. China, preeminently, uh, but also many of the attitudes that he has struck in the past on on race, on social justice issues, as Nico House put it uh, earlier, uh, on his uh, support for uh, fiscally uh, conservative uh, policies uh, towards the poor. Uh, towards the role of the state and the economy and so on, many many things. Uh, but what's right is right, as you say, and what's wrong is wrong. And uh, he's, he's more than a stop clock. He's he's right more than twice a day. He's been right now consistently on some of the biggest issues uh, in front of the country and the world. And sing hallelujah for that, Shlomo. I do. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks for your call. Uh, Tommy, the legend, is in Glasgow on Tucker Carlson. He's much listened to in uh, in the Barras, Tommy, I'm sure. Have, have they ever heard of Tucker Carlson and the Gorbals? As-salamu alaykum, well, like, George. How you doing? Wa-alaykum well, like, salam Good, thanks.
1: Go yes, ahead. He's, much, he's much heard of and changed days and, and sad days also. Uh, <laughs> For myself, I just wanted to pay respect to my wee auntie Rose who passed away on Friday, if I may, George, and I was coming to see you on the, the Monday when you were in Glasgow. Indeed, I was coming to see you on the Monday and I got the call that she was in hospital. She fought like a true Irish woman that she is for the whole of the blessed month of Ramadan just to slip a mortal coil on Friday. And for me, you're told... Uh, In Islam, to give much thought to the destroyer of pleasure. Once before, George, many times before, I remember you saying, if you sit by, an old Chinese proverb, if you sit by the side of the river, all your enemies will come washing by. And many of them have done in recent times for for your good self, George, if you look at all the people who have stood against you, and spoken against you. Many great people now, many good people are now coming to your side and your aid because of your fearlessness, of your de of vivre your and uh, everything that you say against the powers that be, the satanic forces that are in the world just now. You've got to stand against them in whatever way you can. Now, Tucker Carlson, He's never been my bag of, of washing uh, for a for a good while until recently, and 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 mm-hmm. you've got to jump on and aid people when they speak the truth, when they identify evilness. It doesn't matter what background they've came from, what they've said before. You don't have they, they, if people. I mean, we live in terrible times because of the people that are running society to the to the ground. And only good people are yourself and Tucker and people who are not afraid to, to say what has to be said. And that all put to your elbow for it, George. And, and you, you've been an inspiration, I mean, not for me, but many, many people.
3: I mean, Tommy, what a beautiful, beautiful call and beautifully expressed, I must say, that uh, Tucker Carlson has uh, now put his neck on the line for the right things. He may still be wrong on many other things, but he has stood up now on the questions that are there around the COVID issue, around the issue of the vaccines, around the issue of compulsion in medicine, the dismissal of people who have refused to uh, participate in, in, in taking an injection in which they did not believe Removing people's medical, personal autonomy, his stand against the Ukraine war, which I happen to believe is the uh, main reason why he's been removed, has been a virtuoso stand. He has eloquently, powerfully named names of those that are in this for the money. People say, follow the money. He's done it on primetime. He's followed the money and told the people where the money is going, who got rich out of this war. And the platform that he's given to great people like Jimmy Dore, don't forget, Jimmy's interview on Tucker Carlson recently was outstanding. Max Blumenthal, outstanding. His stand for the black socialists now under indictment. It didn't even happen at the height of the McCarthy period, indicting black people for supporting Russia, which is their First Amendment right. Who stood up for them? Tucker Carlson stood up for them. Not AOC or the squad or Rachel Maddow or even some of the so called socialists in the United States. No. It was Tucker Carlson. So you put it beautifully, Tom, that it doesn't matter what they've said in the past, where they've been before, where they might still be now, where they're right, they're right, and where they're right, we have to support them. And that's why we have to support Tucker Carlson. But this is 2023, it's not 2003. You can't silence a man like Tucker. He will have platforms big, bigger than the platform he's now been expelled from. Might even make more money. <laughs> that would be a thing. But he will not be silenced, I don't believe. Because if he was only in it for the money, he wouldn't have been taking the stances that he's been taking. Those stances have cost him his job, his livelihood, He's now out of work, off a platform, now he has to find another one. And I believe that in 2023, with the technological advances that have been made and the gains that we have made in democratic terms of being able to get our words out to people, I was just explaining to my brother-in-law before the show, sure, there's a lot of sheep. Sure, the majority of people are sheep. Sure, the sheepdogs can herd them up, even for the final journey to the slaughterhouse, to the abattoir, yes. But there are more people who know in the world today than there have ever been in the whole history of humanity. And the purpose of this show is to try and link up all the English-speaking ones so that at least we make a community, we make a base for better understanding, and we can go out and evangelize, make dawah, Tommy. We can go and find converts. We can go and find people based on the knowledge that we have accumulated here together on this Open University of the Airwaves. And that is working. If you look at the numbers of viewers of this show, all are in part, they are on a trajectory now well over a million, now getting to one and a quarter million every week. New callers, new donors, new people sending emails, new people coming up to me in the street saying they never miss a show. These are important signs. They are important signs that these satanic powers and presences in the world are not getting it their own way, that good people are fighting back and linking up with other good people who they may not have considered to be good people uh, before. Frank just said, Tommy's call, the best of the night. From Frank in Largs in Scotland. I tend to agree, though there have been many good calls. But there's a legend on the line who cannot be denied. It's the legend. That's Norma in Bristol. Last call. Go ahead, Norma.
5: Hello, George. Um... I want to thank Lucy from Virginia, because say hi, because um, I was quite flattered that she mentioned me earlier. Apart from that, George, I wanted to talk to you about the Eurovision Song Contest. Now, there's been so much Uh publicity. You know, Charles and Camilla were on the Liverpool stage today, promoting the competition. And I mean, it makes me feel as if if we don't follow this trend of Ukraine and us putting it on, we're almost traitors to the country. And um, I really not, I don't even really like it, but I, everybody's got their own, people do. But it's so skewed against Ukraine and our country, it won't be a fair competition anyway.
3: Do you know what I mean? No, they'll win it, they'll win it. Uh, they're, they're... The, some in but the Ukraine? Scotland, some in the Scotland camp tried to throw the European Football Championship tie against the <laughs> Ukraine so that they could uh, get through. Uh, or was it the World Cup? I forget. But I remember, I remember Graham Souness fulminating on the uh, on the sidelines saying that uh, Scotland should should let Ukraine win. Uh, thankfully, oh, they didn't. On. But they're definitely going to win the Eurovision Song Contest, aren't they?
5: a competition, and if it's a competition, it should not be skewed like that. And in any case, exactly. I just feel... How is it
3: chosen, like Norma? That. Do people phone in and vote, or what?
5: Oh, blimey, George, when they vote, that's the most exciting thing, because I don't really like the songs, but that's my preference. They have all the countries, and they all have about 10 votes, and it takes about 40 minutes to get the results out. And most countries don't vote for the songs. They vote for the countries they like.
3: Yeah, that's how we always get null point. (laughs) We didn't do too bad. (laughs) Okay, George. Well, I I have never watched the Eurovision Song Contest, and I have never liked any of the winners, except uh, the, the Danish or the Swedish ABBA. Uh, They turned out to be a half-decent turn. I've got to say that because my missus likes them. But uh, I wish uh, that the best band wins, and that band is almost certain to be the Ukraine, however good or however bad they are. It's just politics, and it is uh, politics, uh, bread and circuses for the masses. But I'll tell you what, Norma, you don't see many Ukrainian flags around now I mean, apart from on public buildings, you don't see many people sporting the Ukrainian colours anymore. More and more people have seen through it all. They know what the cost has been to them, and they see much more clearly than they did a year ago the truth of the matter. And they don't believe the liars that are lying to them. They don't believe them on anything else, so why should they unquestioningly believe them on this. I've overshot my time. Please forgive me, Norma. Thank you uh, for being our legendary last call. Uh, I'll be back, God willing, uh, on Sunday at the earlier time of 7 p.m. UK time. Please join me. Please bring another viewer with you. It's been marvelous for me. I hope it was for you. I wanted to read that little quote from Camelot because I watched a documentary on Netflix the other night about the great Richard Burton, and I saw him recite it. Richard Burton, what a man, what a actor! Thanks for watching.